Union Pines And we know these horses stand for something That is precious and more rare Than all the silver and the gold from them old mines So let them run Let them run Let them wild ponies run Don't you brand them, don't you break them Don't you let the killers take a single one Let them run Hi, welcome to Horse Sense 101. I'm your host, Joe Jones, Vail, Oregon's resident redneck and owner of Joe Jones Performance Horses. Horse Sense 101 is a podcast dedicated to helping you have a meaningful relationship with your horse and for them to be a willing partner in all your adventures. The podcast is available every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Don't forget to join us in our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. You can also find the podcast link, calendar, and news about our upcoming events on our webpage, www.horse-sense101.com. And sign up for our newsletter there as well. And if you have a moment and and are so inclined, please leave a review at Podchaser. It's free, and I would really appreciate it. I do appreciate uh, everybody's attention for this, and I want to discuss halter training this morning. Um, But before we get to that, um, one of the things I posted this last week was a photo that was shared by an associate of mine, uh, Kenny Stone. And what uh, what Kenny posted was a picture of a horse that had been turned out with its halter on, and the horse hooked its uh, halter on something and broke its neck and killed it. Um, and so before we before we go forward today, everyone, please, no matter how hard your horse is to catch take the halter off it's and and i'm hoping i'm hoping that what we discussed today will make that that task easier to to be able to have the confidence once you once you uh establish a relationship with your horse that that you can catch it uh no matter how how wild you may you may have and it, it really it really will pay dividends um and the safety of our horses is critical that we we don't leave those halters on and my condolences to the people that lost that horse. And, and I know I, I, I have uh, associates that work at veterinary clinics and, and they treat these injuries all the time. Um, shout out to Pam Patton. Uh, she worked for a, a good veterinarian here in, in Idaho named uh, Dr. Patricia Pence. And I know they've, they've helped a lot of people with their horses and, and have seen all kinds of injuries like that. So, you know, again, Please don't leave your halters on your horses. With that, let's get uh, let's get started with uh, with what we want to talk about today, and and that's halter training. Um, it, it is truly it's the foundation of everything we're going to do, right? Uh, the first the first thing we need to do with a horse is is get it so that we can we can be in its proximity, and and everything else that we're going to do is going to build on that foundation. And, and and I know part of it was funny. You know, I, I went searching for a video of somebody having difficulties with uh, with halter training, and I found that TikTok video. And 
part of it made me smile because, you know, <laughs> I've been there, right? Um, you know, when we were younger or we just, we just didn't know any different. Uh, somebody, our neighbor told us that, gosh, you know, you just jump on that colt and when you get a halter on it, start dragging it and eventually it'll figure it out. And, and, and we, and we all know, we've all seen that happen, right? We, we've, we've watched our neighbors and gosh, you know, some of us have, have done it themselves. Just, we didn't know any better. But the reality is, is this, this, this subject of halter training um, as as boring and and uh, uh, seemingly uh, such a small thing as it is, it, it truly is that foundation to everything we're going to do with our horse. And if and if we know that if we build a house on a really good foundation, that everything else that we build on that foundation stacks up square. Um, it's easy to put on. You know, if we've got a we build a house and our foundation has one low corner, then everything in that whole house is going to be crooked and so i i think it, it it behooves all of us to really examine our foundation what what it is that we want our horses to do and before we can get into techniques and i really i don't really want to discuss techniques because there's there's a hundred thousand or, or millions of people out there that know more about how to to halter train a horse than i do they're their techniques and their feel and their timing are, are most likely way ahead of mine. I, I don't hold myself up as, as any sort of a, uh, uh, a person that you should emulate. And gosh, you know, Joe does it this way. So gosh, that's, that, that has to be the right way of doing it. I, I have ways of doing things that work for me, but, but they're, they're based on a principle. Um, and you know, my, my pedigree comes from, from kind of an old ranch kid, uh, but I was introduced into show horses at a fairly young age, and and I I got to show uh, cutting horses at a high level, uh, still near and dear to my heart. I, I I probably will never get that out of my veins, no matter how expensive that sport is. I will always have that desire. But even those horses that 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 level, the really really good ones, have a foundation. And so how do we, in principle, determine how we're going to set that foundation? And I'm going to plagiarize now. I, 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 was, I was very fortunate this spring to uh, become friends with uh, a gentleman uh, here in the Treasure Valley named Wade Black. And, and Wade is the reigning champion of Colt starting in the country right now. Um, He's got, gosh, he's just got the pedigree to be wonderful. His, his uh, grandfather is the famous Ray Hunt. Um, his dad is Martin Black, who is a, a published horseman and a noted clinician. Uh, Wade himself is a college professor with a master's degree. Um, and, and so I'm going to plagiarize some stuff that I learned from Wade very heavily. And, and big shout out to Wade and, and, the, and the program at Treasure Valley Community College. I learned so much. And... And I would encourage any young person that wants to become a horse trainer, uh, seek out TVCC and have a conversation with Wade. Uh, I, I truly think he's got a winning program and, and something that can work for, for any young person that wants to become a teacher of horses. But when I, when I, was, when I was studying with Wade, I, I, he, he talks about something called a foundation, per, foundation for perfection. And, and what that means is, uh, 
he 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 strives and, and from his everything he's learned in his life is he he strives for a training trifecta and what that is comprised of is temperament foundation and task completion um, and what what that's all about is learning how to to uh, eliminate resistance that your horse may have when you're doing a job I mean we can make a horse do things um, you know like on the video this that, that I posted uh, eventually the the lady got frustrated and tied her tied her halter off and and got on her horse and and drug that colt and that horse had no choice in it that was not what that colt wanted but by dang if, if you drag that horse far enough uh, eventually that colt will start to follow that that other horse and learn to give to that lead rope but the question we ask is is that is that how we want to go through this um, and, and I apologize because I, I, I need to I need to go through this this information as fast as I can but as clearly as I can so that we can all be on the same page because if I just start talking about techniques everybody's going to get lost and and there's going to be 5,000 people that have a better way of doing it anyway but if if we can discuss the principles behind what it is we want to accomplish as horsemen I really think that that will put all of us a lot further down the road. And so one of the decisions that we, we need to make, um, I, I believe, is is what what kind of a training process are we going to go through? Um, and, and I think there's, there's, there's two processes that we can choose from, and one's a traditional, uh, a traditional method, um, and, and it's one of, of a horse trainer, um, and that's someone that does repetitions, drills, and and uses force uh, to control the horse's body. Um, they're trying trying to control their their head, their neck, their front feet, and their hind feet. And it's done at really any cost. If the horse basically will apply pressure until that horse gives in, and we'll pray how how much pressure do we apply? We apply however much pressure we need to, right? Um, that's that's kind of the traditional and and you know cowboy Joe that that's how I was raised I was I was raised on a ranch in Montana and by dang we we roped our roped the colts and and tied up a back foot and blindfolded them put a saddle on them and and my dad's a hell of a cowboy he he'd climb on their back and you know he, by golly he, he they were have to be roll over and smash him into the ground to get him off their back and eventually after you know, two or three hundred miles riding that colt, um, he'd get them horses to handling pretty darn good. Um, I know I've watched my dad over the years train horses, and and he's a whole lot cagier about it these days than he was now that he's in his seventies. Um, his horses are a lot broker when he gets on them. Um, go figure, right? But what that's about is is that that forceful method, that traditional method, produces something in the horse called cortisol. So when that horse is constantly in the fight or flight. Uh, stage, you know, remember we're dealing with a prey animal, so if they fear for their life, their body produces cortisol, which which gives them the fuel they need to fight. Now, um, I've been, you know, as a, probably as a teenager, um, I heard of a, of a guy named Tom Dorrance, and, and I read a book called True Unity, and when I was 18, that book didn't mean a single thing to me. It was so hard to read. And I've read it probably 20 times since then. 
and every time I read it, it's it's really challenging reading. But there's but there's something in there that just that just keeps me coming back to to, to try and understand the spirit behind what what Mr. Dorrance was trying to to get to us. And and there's no amount of words that can describe um, any of this. Uh, uh, but I, I think Wade ha has kind of come up with at least a, an, a door to open. And, and what we're talking about here is an alternative to that traditional method. And, and that's one of being a teacher, not a trainer, um, and, and getting our horse to, to do what we want by seeking relief. Um, and, and letting our horse discover what we want. Um, setting things up and letting them discover what it is we want. And making it more the horse's idea. Um, I know I, I've watched some folks that, you know, I swear to goodness, they just walked into the pen and and walked up to a horse that had never been never been handled, put a halter on it, and let it out the gate. And I, I there's no way that that's possible, right? Well, apparently those people knew something that the that the rest of us didn't. They had, you know, I, I've heard. Uh, a lot of people that have gone to clinics of Ray Hunt, that Ray could do amazing, amazing things in, in 30 minutes with a horse. He could take a, a wild Mustang and in just a, an hour or so be riding it around, loping around the round pen. And, you know, most of the rest of us, we get a Mustang and, gosh, if we get anything done with that in the first year, we're pretty impressed with ourselves, right? I mean, the 90-day the Mustang Challenge, Ray, Ray Hunt could get those horses to do it in a couple of hours what it takes the rest of us 90 days to do. So th there's something to this. Um, and, and I believe it's it's because of, of a couple of things here, but um, what this what this other alternative method about is that we're trying to influence the soul of the horse. We're trying to go, go and, and affect his mind, his will, and his emotions. Um, and we're trying to understand the identity of that horse, who he is, what his driving factors are, why does he do what he does, um, what causes him to see the world the way he does. And we also need to know that inside a horse's body, um, they release endorphins, dopamine and serotonin. Uh, and those are things that we have at our disposal to use as a reward. Um, if you think about it, you know, we've all heard you know, gosh, when a horse, uh, when they accept something, they lick, lick their lips. Well, what's that really about? Well, I, I learned that scientifically what that lip licking and that deep sigh, what's that about is the horse has just released into his system dopamine. And that's a relaxing drug and it makes him feel good. And so, you know, the light goes on. Well, is there a way we can use that, that dopamine and that serotonin, which makes them be calm is there a way to use that in order to influence the horse's uh, will, mind, and emotions? Um, and and I think the next thing we want to talk about is, you know, when we watched that colt this morning uh, on that video, um, there was a tremendous amount of resistance there, right? That 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 filly wanted no part of any of that. Um, and what caused that? Why, why, why did that filly not want to, to follow along? Well, quite simply, there was a lack of communication, and there was fear, and there was resentment, ultimately. Um, and the lack of, lack of communication 
meant that, that the baby didn't understand. He, he didn't know what it was he was supposed to comply with. All he knew was that he was being attacked, right? Um, so when we're dealing, we're talking about communication, um, really, we need to make sure we take the time it takes and that we're patient and that we're always teaching, which means we just need to slow down. We really, I mean, all of us, me, I'm the poster child of, of, of I need to slow down. I tell myself that every time I, every time I work with the horses is slow down because it's faster. Um, and then I promptly do whatever it is I'm going to do. But I tell myself, um, slow down. Um, and the other thing that we see, um, you know, we saw that when, when the, when the owner tried to touch the baby and he jetted off into the, into the other end of the pen was that there was fear. Now we need to understand at the base level who horses are and what they are. They are prey animals means that, that the one thing that horses know that is that, is that they are, they are easily eaten and caught. And the only defense they have is to either run away from the predator or fight the predator. Uh, and and when they when a horse becomes afraid for its life, they will do one of those two things, just like a deer, just like a gazelle, um, just just like any other animal that's used to being or is is a, a food for a predator. And as as human beings, we are the very top of the food chain. We need to remember that when we're dealing with with our horses, is that we're we're the alpha, we're the ultimate predator. And they are very, very vulnerable to us. So we need to, we need to have that, not in the back of our mind. That we need to keep that right up front. That 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 needs to be right here. That when we are dealing with a horse that's in fight or flight, there is no teaching going on. Absolutely, I am a hundred percent convinced that when a horse is afraid, or they're fighting, they're mad. Um, there's no teaching. When a horse pulls back and they're shaking their head. And they're, and they're doing whatever they have to to get away, there is no amount of consolation that's going to make that horse go, oh, you mean I'm supposed to just stand here and, and be quiet? You are not going to teach that horse a single solitary thing once he's, once he's flipped over and, and started fighting for his life. Um, and, and so we need to, whatever training process we're going to use, right? It, it, it doesn't matter. The method that you use, as long as it, builds the confidence of your horse and it's patient and it takes the time it takes it, it doesn't matter I, I'm, I'm not the guy that's going to tell you well this is the only way to do this because there's there's as many different ways to do things as there are human beings on this planet right um, but I do I do know a few things that I've seen and one of the other things is is if we if we persist with this lack of communication and we persist with trying to train when a horse is afraid, we're going to build the third problem with our communication with our horse, and that's resentment. Um, that that resistance, when the horse becomes resentful, I mean they are just done with it, and they are they are like the the animal who's who's captured by the cougar, and they're just laying there and they're they're ready to die, right? They, they know there's no fighting, they're just shutting down, and I mean, they, they may stand still, but it's because they don't think they have any other choice. And if they if they could do anything else in the world, they sure wouldn't be right there, right? And I, speaking for me, I, I don't ever want my horses to be there. 
I, I love horses, and I want my horses to respect me, but I also want them to like me. I want them to feel comfortable that when I'm in their presence that they're safe and that, they're, that their opinion matters. Um, because I, I believe that when the chips are down, and I'll give you a real quick instance. Let's say you're out, uh, you're out in the in the desert, and you're going for a trail ride, and you've got to step off your horse to adjust your cinch, and you uh, turn around, and you see something in the brush, you bend over to pick it up, and drop your reins, and your horse takes a step back. Now at this point, your horse is loose, right? And if that horse doesn't want to be around you, he doesn't have to be. And it can be a long walk home. Um, I know I've made that long walk home. Um, and, and since then, I've made it a point, real important to me to be able to, you know, to have my horse want to be in my, in my presence, not be afraid of me, so that if I have to get off and open the gate, um, if, I, if I have to drop my reins, I need that horse to be comfortable enough to stand there and not leave me and make me walk 20 miles home. So that, that's that's kind of my my principle behind behind that. Um, so we're, we're, the next thing we're gonna we're gonna talk about I, I want to talk about is okay. So we we know what causes this resistance. So what are we gonna do about it? Really, that that's. Um, that's kind of the the crux of the matter. We know the problem. So what do we do about it? Well, I'm, again, I'm not going to give you a whole bunch of techniques uh, about how to do this, but let's talk about what we can do to eliminate this resistance that, that we might find with our horses when we're halter breaking. And the first thing that we want to have when we're dealing with a horse is a willing submission. Um, and that means after an initial cue, we're just going to define this, okay? After an initial cue, the horse performs the task on a loose rein or a loose lead rope with no additional pressure, meaning it's their idea. And I'll give you an example of this. If, if we want our horse, when we walk into their pen or walk into the pasture, to come up to us and present themselves to be caught, you know, our presence is the cue to come see me. Now... Are you going to be able to train a horse to do that? I believe you can, um, because after a horse has been on my place very long, I can catch them. They will. They will all walk up to me, and they will present themselves to be caught. And, and I, I find that highly useful, um, especially when a horse gets loose. You know, I, I think it's critical that we be able to catch our horses under any circumstance. Don't forget to check out and become a member of our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. Keep in contact with me on Instagram at Joe underscore Horse Sense 101. And go to our webpage, www.horse-sense101.com. While you are there, sign up for our newsletter for information about upcoming shows, events, and information on the release of You and Your Heart Horse. And if you have a chance, I would appreciate it if you would give us a review on Podchaser. So, willing submission, and one of the things we wanted we can do to do that is with good communication. Um, and, and this is this is where the more you do it, the better you get. But communication with the horse is is all about learning to read, feel, and understand what the horse is saying 
in response to our request. So communication, remember, is a two-way street. It's not just what we're saying. It's what's the horse saying? What's he telling us? Um, and what can we look at in that horse to give us signals about, you know, what they're, what they're thinking? Um, and and I, I'm sure there's people out there, I know there are, that have a better, a better view of what a horse is saying than I do. Um, but just, just to say that, that uh, that's out there, that it's a two-way street, um, and we're going we're gonna to do this communication with our horses through their primary driving factors and a couple of underlying driving factors. And we're going to do all this with feel, timing, and balance. Um, and gosh, if I've heard the word feel for a horse once, I've heard it a million times. But it's, it, it's, it is truly this, this alternative method of horse training. There's so much of it is about feel, and the only way you get feel is to practice. You have to, you have to trial and error it and understand that it's there, and eventually you'll find it. Uh, and then, gosh, it's just not easy. Um, but it's there, and the more you do it, the better you get. Um, so what are the primary, primary driving factors of a horse? Well, there's self-preservation, comfort, and companionship. Remember, those are the, those are the three things that a horse uh, has to have. They're, they're a prey animal, so they're, they're out there grazing, and they're in herd, the herd environment. And um, they, they, they want to stay alive. They want to be comfortable. And they want to be with their herd um, because that's, that's safe for them. Um, and there's some underlying factors that go with that. Um, and there's conf confidence and energy are, are two primary things that, that underlie all of that, how excited or, or how docile the horse is. And some horses are more determined to have their way than other horses. And, and that's, it just is what it is, just like with people. Some people are, are more strong-willed than others. And a variable factor here that, that is really important to understand, and that's hormones. And when we're dealing with, with young, um, ungelded male horses, uh, you're going to have to know you're going to have to deal with some hormones. And if your mare is in heat, you're going to have to deal with some hormones. You need, you need to understand that those are there. And you can't mad, be mad at the horse for being a horse. Um, a third thing that, uh, that plays into all this is that we need to keep everything with our horses in balance. Um, and there's, there's a balance to life, balance life to direction ratio. And that ratio is determined by the speed with which we can willingly bring up the life in a horse and direct it on a set line, and meaning can, can we make the horse or can we convince the horse to go where we want to go without losing the direction? So <coughs> um, that life is the ability to move the horse at any given speed at any given time. And the direction is, is that when we, when we take the slack out of the rope or we take the slack out of the rein, the horse puts the slack back into our hand with supple, suppleness through the pole and loin, meaning they, they don't try and run the other way. They give us their nose and their, and their everything about their spirit, their, their head, their body comes in the direction that we are asking to go. And, and we're, we're talking about when we pull on the reins, things like horizontal and vertical direction, meaning um, their head up and down and their head left and right. And when we get that, that, uh, that willing direction, 
there's things that we can look at, look in the horse's eyes, and we can look in her head, and we can look in their body, um, and we can watch their feet and their ears. All, all of this, when when a horse gives to you, you know they're they're not going to be white in the eyes, their ears aren't going to be laid flat. Um, they're going to have their nose towards you, under their eye. They're they're not trying to pull. You know they're not just trying to give. Uh, you know, go where you want and then pulling away from you. Um, they will give you the sense and you will feel as though they're going where you want them to go. Um, and, and, and we want to be able to take that and we want to, to be able to direct it. Uh, that, that, that direction and, and we want to be able to control their life and their direction at the same time. Meaning you don't want a horse to just walk along plodding if you need to get somewhere quickly. You need to be able to bring that life up in them if you're leading them. You want to be able to trot. You know, you want to be able to trot along. If, if you need to jog over to the pasture to close a gate and you have a horse in your hand, you know, the horse needs to come with you, right? We, we need to, when we ask to go faster, we need that horse to just to to come with us because they know, hey, we got to go over there, uh, not because you're dragging them. We can only drag a horse so fast, right? Uh, so. All, all of this, I mean, even when we're halter training, all of our maneuvers have to have a solid foundation. Um, and I'm not going to go into what those foundations are in, in, in my opinion, but just to say there's, there's, there's some things that you can look at. And, and if you want, I'll, sh I'll share that uh, later on in comments. But what, uh, what my belief is of what a solid foundation for maneuvers are. Um, and lastly, I, th I think this is really important too. Is it's that we need to do our training in phases. Um, you know, we we don't want to begin our lesson with our horses by uh, giving them the final exam right up front and then screaming at them because they can't do it. Right? Uh, imagine what what that would feel like to us if. If you know we were trying to learn something and our coach, uh, you know, we're we're trying to learn calculus and you know the first thing that our, our 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 teacher does is write out this big long this big long formula and then start screaming at us because we don't know the answer. Um, that, that that's not very useful, right? Um, so what we want to do is we want to set a foundation for our horses, and and that's you know we're we're going to want to have vertical and horizontal direction that we can give with our horses and and we want to have willing submission um, we want to be able to control their feet and move their feet in any direction we want we want them to move I mean that's our truly our foundation is about being able to control the horse's feet and have it be the horse's idea meaning they 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 allow us to influence them but they ultimately are doing it because they want to um, and, and I know if you're new to horses, you're, you may think, wow, that, that, sounds, that sounds difficult. Well, it is difficult. It's time consuming and it takes a long time to learn. But I, I think this is a good place to point out. Um, I've been, my, my wife calls me a horse whisperer. And, and I vehemently deny that I'm a horse whisperer. I do not whisper. I scream. I curse. I stub my toe. I fall flat. I get bucked off. I, I am, I am the farthest thing there is from a horse whisperer. What I am, though, is a student of horses, and I do have some feel, and I do have some things that I can understand, and the things that things that I know that work for me, and 
having said all of that, it's not whispering. It's just the more you understand what a horse is saying and the more you understand how they think, the easier it is to give them an open door to walk through. Does that, does that make sense? Um, I, I know I can't force a horse to do anything. I may be able to scare them in a trailer and I may be able to use fear to make them go away from me. Um, but I'm 100% certain that I can't just grab a lead rope and drag a horse that's never been loaded in a trailer in a trailer. That, that, that is never going to happen. Um, now, having said that, have I found any horses that I can't load in a horse trailer? No, I've never met a horse I can't load in a horse trailer. Now, maybe they're out there. I, you know, I, like, like Will Rogers said, I, I've never met a man I, never, I didn't like, but then I have met Calvin Coolidge. Um, you know, there, there may be a horse out there that uh, I can't load. No, I have met horses that I didn't want to load, right? Um, maybe they were just, oh my gosh, so much effort. It's not worth it. There's better horses to be had. Now, that is a whole nother debate. That's a whole nother, a whole nother issue. So, having said all that, this foundation that, that I want what I want to talk about is, is it's a foundation for our training. What are the building blocks of our program that we decide we want to have for ourselves? Um, you know, for me, I want to control my horse with vertical and horizontal direction, and I want to be able to move his feet in any direction at any time that I want, and I want him to do it willingly. I want him to. Well, I want that to be his idea that it's okay because I asked him. He's willing to do it. Um, not because I'm making him, not because he's afraid of me, not, not for any other reason than in his mind it seems like a good idea. You know, if I say, hey, let's go over there, and he, I want my horse to say, yeah, Joe, that, you know what, I'd kind of like to see what's over there too, let's go. Um, and the same goes with our relationship with, our, with, with people, right, our family, our friends. Um, you know, if, if we want to go for a trail ride on Saturday, we pick up the phone and we... We call a bunch of our friends and say, "Hey, would you like to go? Would you like to go riding this weekend?" And you know, we we want our friends to say, "Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's all go." And, and voila, everybody shows up with their trailers at at uh, sunrise on Saturday morning. We go for a trail ride and we have a good time. Now, that wouldn't be near as much fun, would it, if we had to drive around and drag our drag our friends out of bed and saddle their horse for them and then push them into the truck and make them get in and then yeah, just we want to be with people that want to be with us, right? Well, we want our horses to be the same way. Um, and, and one of the ways that we can, you know, our, our training, our first phase, first phase is to set this foundation. And then we want to build on that foundation by doing things with our horses. So, for example, once we get our colt to kind of follow that lead rope, um, gosh, maybe we want to go for a walk. Um, so let's test that found. Let's build that build on that foundation by going and doing some things. Maybe we're gonna we're gonna hold that colt and we're gonna go around and when we do our feeding in the morning, the first thing we do, we'll catch that colt and he's gonna walk around with us while we feed. Um, and maybe we're not gonna be able to get the horses fed quite as fast because we're dragging this colt with us. We're we're trying to show this colt that that it's kind of fun to be with us. Um, so we're going to sacrifice the job just a little bit to, to continue to build our foundation. And then next thing we're going to want to do is we're going to want to test that foundation. And that means, well, we're going to, we might want to, we might be able to sacrifice the foundation a little bit 
and just get the dog, just get that job done. You know, let's let's say we're trying to teach our horse to side pass, and and uh, we're working on that, and we think we have that foundation down pretty good. Well, well, let's say we've got to go get that gate closed before the cows get out. So we're gonna we're gonna lope out there, and we're gonna we're gonna side pass up to that gate. And it doesn't matter how ugly it is, we got to get that gate shut before we're going to spend three days gathering cows, right? Um, well, that right there is where the rubber meets the road. Is your foundation, is it correct? How well does your horse understand your communication? And that test will tell us where we're at, what we need to work on. And it doesn't mean that we, we spend our life testing our horse, but we, we want to test the foundation occasionally. And then... We're going to want to just start doing doing the job with the horse. You know, when we get to the point where we can lead that lead that colt anywhere we want to go, uh, feeding horses, and it's just like he's just hanging out with me while we feed this morning. Um, you know, I, I I don't have to pull him around. He's I turn around and he's right there. Um, well, that's that's what we want, right? We want our horse to to be with us, to do what we're doing, and and be part of it, and and. That, that is just like the most rewarding thing. And, and we can take that principle to everything we do training horses, right? Um, so that, that, that's, that's kind of my, my background or, or what I've come to, kind of, of my 57 years, what I come to believe is, is important um, is, is that we go through this, this project. And, and I'll share, you know, Wade put together a, a cheat sheet that kind of, well, says a lot of this a lot better than I can, um, but I, I think it's I think it's really important that we have in our mind what it is we want to do, that we have a principle that guides our actions. Um, you know, we, we can watch videos as as much as we want. We can get you know Pat Pirelli's uh, uh, Level One DVD series and. And there's a tremendous amount of stuff on, on that video that's that's worth watching and and good information and and we can get you know all of Clinton Anderson's and all of Chris Cox's videos and and th there's more content than you could ever imagine. Um, and does watching those videos make you a horse trainer? In my opinion, it does not. It helps. It gives you some ideas of things to try, but I, I think. In my in my opinion, and I guess that's why we're here. Is if you guys are tuning in, it's to hear my opinion, um, and, and bless you for that. I, I, I am so humbled that you would. Um, but I I think it's important to have the correct spirit behind what we're doing in 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 our heart and what we want to do. I think we need to have principles that guide our actions. And just like the rest of our life, you know, if we're if we find twenty dollars on the sidewalk, um, and we see a, a a person with their purse half open walking away, you know, do we keep that twenty dollars or do we do we go ask that ask that person if that's their twenty dollars? Well, the the purse the the principles that we use to guide our life determine what we do with that twenty dollars, right? And so I, I think this horse training thing is 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 God's way, and, and, and God gave us these horses to, to teach us humility and, and, to, and to, to give us an insight into how, how he, he wants us to be. Um, to, he wants us to be teachable. He wants us to, be, to do things his way. So do our horses. 
Um, you know, we, we want our horses to be like that. Um, so, you know, how does this apply to halter training? Because I remember we, I, I advertised we were going to talk about halter training, and we haven't spent very much time doing that, right? Well, let, let's see if we can touch on that a little bit, um, on, on some things to think about. Well, you know, what are, the, what are the foundational principles for halter training? Well, we need to be able to walk up to our horse, right? We need to be able to walk up to that colt, and we need to be able to put a halter on it, and we need to be able to walk in a direction that we want and have that, that, that colt go with us or that, that older horse go with us. So, you know, the methods we want to use with that, well, gosh, there's in, in the chat. There was a hundred, or not a hundred, there was, you know, eight or ten good suggestions that, that people made about how to do that. And some of those, some of them I've tried and some of them I like, and some of them I've tried and they didn't work for me. But if, but if what you're doing works for you, then if, you, if your principles are in line with what your method is, then, then you've got it. You, you really don't need, you need me, me to tell you how to halt to train your horse. Um, I, I'm more interested as we go through this journey talking about why we do things. Um, you know, so you know, we, we want to have our horse stand still so we can put their halter on, um, have, you know, some ways of doing that. Well, I'll just give you one of the things that I do is, is I just try and spend some time being with the horse. Um, I'll go into his pen and I'll stand quietly and I'll watch him. And, and, and I want to make sure that they are not, I will stand there until I get the sense and I feel like they're no longer terrified of my presence. And they look at me with both eyes and they start to accept my presence. Meaning, and, and, and I'll, I'll look at trying to, you know, be inviting. My body language needs to be inviting. Um, so, you know, use what you know about uh, how predators uh, attack prey and they... You know, they'll, they'll stare at the prey. The, the cat, when he's stalking the, the gazelle, um, he has both eyes and he has this fixed stare at that, at that prey animal. Well, you know, as soon as the gazelle feels that stare, they're out, right? They're, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm, leaving, I'm leaving town. So when we're, when we're going to apply this knowledge that we have to halter training, maybe don't stare at the horse you're trying to catch. Maybe approach them the way horses approach each other. And when you turn a new horse loose out in the pasture, a lot of times they don't, they don't go nose to nose unless there's going to be a fight. If they're trying to get to know each other, they'll go at each other at an angle. They don't, they don't go, you know, like this. They're like this. They're like this. You know, and, and if they're, you know, geldings, they might strike and squeal. But but they're just trying to establish the ground rules, um, and and see who you know who may or may not be the most forceful. So when we when we're beginning this horse this this halter breaking, my my belief is is that I want before I start trying to put a halter on the horse, I, I want them to at the very least accept my presence, and then I use that principle of accepting my presence to just push the envelope. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and eventually, um, much like the the example of uh, if you put a frog in a pan in boiling water and turn up the turn up the heat, 
if you bring the the heat up slow enough the frog doesn't jump out well not that I'm gonna cook a horse right but I, I want that horse to I, I don't want to take him into fight-or-flight but I want to put my presence in I want to be in his presence so I, I will just keep edging closer edging closer edging closer until that horse will stand and I can touch their neck I don't touch their face first I touch their neck but that's that's me um, you know but I, I think it behooves us rather than just standing back and roping roping one and forcing the issue it's faster in the long run if we can teach that horse to to accept our presence before we put a halter on it and I think it makes the halter training uh, thing giving to the pressure um, and following us I think it's easier if the horse isn't afraid to be in your presence for them to follow you um, again my opinion right um, so you know what what I typically try and do is I try and get the horse comfortable with my presence and then I just move myself in slowly and gradually until they they will they will turn to me they'll take a step to me I, I want to just continually be trying to draw that horse to me um, and and really everything after that is pretty academic right um, once we get the halter on we don't just you know, you're coming with me um, we ask we ask with light pressure hey would you like to come be over here here with me because if you are over here with me it, it's gonna feel good uh, we're, there's gonna be a release there's there's gonna be you know I'm gonna do some scratches I'm gonna I'm gonna make you feel good so I want to begin to associate my stimulus with with something that's pleasant to the horse and to the extent I think we can do that I think we're more successful in our training methods um, you can only scare a horse into doing so much um, you know my, my goal for halter training I think one of the ultimate tests is is can I take that horse and lead it into my my gooseneck horse trailer that's got a, a saddle compartment on one side and a door on the other side so it's I'm leading this horse into a great big dark cave that they can barely fit in if I can get my halter broke horse to follow me into that trailer then I start to believe that I've made some progress and that horse is only in that trailer because I asked him to be because he certainly certainly couldn't get dr drug in there um, I mean I, I can only ask him and, and if he if he gets in that trailer he's only in that trailer because he's decided it's better in there than it is outside um, and that that being with me is is superior to standing outside and and, and putting up with the boredom that, that comes to being outside um, the next thing I want to cover this too because I think this is and, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it with this but the last thing I do with the horse the very last thing I do with the horse is I tie them up I want to make sure for me my opinion <clears throat> I want to make sure that my horse will willingly submit to the pressure of the lead rope not just you know uh, begrudgingly I want them to willingly submit to my to my pressure to come forward and, and to be able to follow me anywhere I want to go before I tie that horse up solid um, I've seen so many horses that pull back I've seen so many horses that are are just they will break halters and 
Yeah, I had one. My my mare that I had in high school, you couldn't tie that mare up. Uh, you tied her up solid, and she would break any halter. And she just, she didn't fight or anything. She would just set her body and start pulling back, and pretty soon, everything she she'd blow up any halter. Um, and then she'd stand there and look at me and say, Joe, I, I told you I didn't want you to tie me up. Well, that happened because when she was a baby and when we when we halter broke her, it was forced. She she never had a choice. Um, and she knew that she didn't have to in her, her later years until the day she died. You couldn't tie that mare up. You could put you could put the lead rope through the loop on the trailer and she'd stand at a cutting all day long and never move a foot. You dang sure better not tie that up because that was the first thing she'd do. When you, when you hooked it on something, she would pull back just enough to see if the rope would slip. And if the rope would slip, she'd stay there all day. If that rope didn't slip, you're going to be buying a new halter. Now, I, I, I just, for me, that was a big lesson learned when I was young. That don't tie them up until, until you know they understand what's going on. Um, or, or you're just, it's just going to be miserable. And then you're going to have to do all these things to, to teach your horse. You're going to put a rope around their belly and, and all these ridiculous things to teach a horse to not pull back when, if they would just, if they would just stand there with you, um, and stand tied because they know that, that that's what, that's what they want to do. We don't have to worry about all these other things, right? We just, we just don't have the problems. So, um, again, thank you so much for all your attention. Um, remember, uh, this halter training is the, uh, is the groundwork. It's the beginning of our groundwork, and it is the foundation for everything we're going to do in the future. So when you're choosing your method and when you're deciding what you want to do, just remember that what you do today with your horse halter breaking it is, gonna, is going to either help you or hinder you with everything else you're going to do with this young horse. Thank you so much for joining me on Horse Sense 101, the podcast dedicated to helping you have that meaningful relationship with your horse you always wanted to have. Please tell your horsey friends about us and invite them to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101, and every Monday for our podcast available at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. I'd like to thank you, my listeners, members, my friends and family, and lovely wife, Nikki. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Above the pinion pines. And we know these horses stand for something that is precious and more rare than all the silver and the gold from them old mines. So let them run. Let them run. But that white pony's run. Don't you brand them, don't you break them. Don't you let the killers take a single one. Let them run. Still a few proud places